This episode is part two of our five-part series with Neil Twa. And on this episode, we're going to talk about by the numbers. Um, this is about 30 to 40 minutes long, this episode. And there is Neil's got so much in here in terms of how to pick the right product, like really digging into the numbers. This was eye-opening, Chris, for both of us. Yeah, this is a section you and I both are weak in. Like mm -hmm. we we like we like to go fast, launch products, see if they work, and go on. But I could tell you from experience, I'm sure you could too. Sometimes this can get you in trouble. Yeah. Uh, where we launched, we want we've launched products in the past, and we've, we've stuck with them too long because we didn't know this part of the, the, the business. A hundred percent. Yeah. Now, <laughs> like, I know people want to launch products and get going, but this is a spot where you probably want to focus a lot of your time because you don't want to be running in circles on something. A hundred percent. And Neil uh, gave us all access to a spreadsheet. Uh, that's gotta be the most in-depth detailed product research spreadsheet validation I've ever seen. Uh, and so everyone can have that. It'll be in the uh, notes of this podcast or whatever you're watching this on. Uh, but you and I, we're gonna go through the spreadsheet tonight with some of our current products and just oh, see, sure. what, see what comes out. But this, this isn't a really, really detailed episode. So I encourage everyone to listen in. I cannot wait for the rest of this series. This has been a lot of fun. So yeah. let's do it. Let's dive into part two with Neil Twa. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one and 11 of Two Amazon Sellers and a Microphone. Today's part two. Man, we killed it in part one. We got Neil Twa on with us. Dustin, I think Kurt we got to blame Dustin. Yeah. Did, did I go? But I didn't. Maybe my internet can. <laughs> <laughs> Technology's crazy. Um, but if you guys can still hear me, we are in part two of. You said Chris five. was awesome. We caught that part. So we, yeah, we, you said I was awesome. You said Chris was I, awesome. Yeah. Deserve a raise. He's the man. That's right. <laughs> Chris is awesome. He does. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, it's we have a lot of fun talking with you, Neil. This is it's a black uh, part two. We're going to really break down uh, the numbers. So we're yep. talking we're talking product research right now. We got through step one, um, and now let's just dive in. What? Yeah. What is it? What are you doing when you're trying to get it to look at these numbers and in, in this research? Section? Absolutely, dude. So we're going to go what I call by the numbers today. Right. Uh, and so as we spoke in the first, uh, let's just recap. Let's do our little Wayne world back in time here thing. And we spoke about product research. What the blank am I going to sell? And today's topic and even into the next topic is going to kind of get to the, the next level, going to come down off that macro and sort of get into some more micro level. We have a little bit of business speak. That's just kind of how this is going to work. If you don't understand the lingo or some of these, I'll try to define them as I can. Otherwise, Google is your friend uh, and encourage you to go take a look at those. Uh, but as we get through this, understanding the numbers and running the business by the numbers is probably one of the most critical things that I want you guys to get from today because building a business and being serious about it again is thinking with the end in mind. And that really means knowing the numbers of your business. And so many sellers, uh, they jump in and it's exciting and they're ready to go. Maybe it's their first business or whatever. And they're really Jojoed up, you know, 
um, but they're not really focused on how to make it profitable or really how to make this thing run for the long term. They're maybe thinking short term money, side hustle, this kind of stuff. And I and I hope from today's uh, session that you guys really understand that running a business by the numbers is probably the most important thing you will learn. Uh, and it will help define what you should sell at the micro level next of the products we're choosing. If you remember, we talked about, I don't know if you guys put me on your list or you even went through that exercise. Hopefully you did um, at this point. And you are now working on a, a most you know, a, a big most list of products, right? That first 500 ideas and concepts, 21 days or less. It's just a sheet. It's a pad. It's a notepad. It's a, it's a thing on your app. It doesn't matter. Just start writing all of them down. We talked about going into your last 90 days of shopping history. We talked about the white cars and what to look for. And we went over some mindset exercises to teach you how to move product ideas into your conscious mind and out of your subconscious mind. And so as we start to look at those products, uh, what really is important next is building that more list, right? And as we go by the numbers, the more list will start to flesh out those numbers that make the most sense. And so what I wanted you to hear today uh, was an understanding, again, that long term, you cannot run a business on gut feel. And so many people get started on gut feel and they make the wrong decisions. They break the piggy banks. They hit the 401ks. They run their last money on one single SKU and one single product set. Um, and they fly by the seat of their pants. And at that point, I've seen so many people crash and burn three, four, five months into this, right? You also can make one very bad product mistake and wipe out your nest egg. And we don't want anybody to do that, right? So what we want you to understand is, you know, multi seven figure, eight figure, nine figure sellers understand and analyze profitability first. Um, and it is the one thing we know will make a difference, a uh, huge difference between success and total disaster. So we really want you guys to pay attention to this. You can sell profitably when you know your numbers. You can market successfully when you know your numbers. You can pay yourself and other people to help you in the business and create opportunities of automation. You can negotiate from a very strong position when you understand the numbers. And I know that people suffer a lot of times through product negotiation and stuff, um, mainly because they don't simply know the numbers well enough to know the position that they should be in when they're negotiating at the manufacturing level uh, or even using sourcing agents. And so they find themselves backing into concepts and ideas and, and gut feelings. And that's really not how you should work this. Uh, you really want to work this at the numerical level, right? It gives you a strong negotiating position. And of course, we want to build a business with intrinsic value. Uh, that means at the end, this is actually worth something. All this time, energy and effort and money, you're putting blood, sweat and tears. People cry over these businesses, right? This is like serious stuff. Uh, this is your baby. And when they come to sell these babies to us, there's always a big emotional appeal. Like they want the money and everybody thinks it's really great to you know, get this big cash payout. But at the end of the day, it's their baby. And they want to really know that you've taken care of this. It's, I spent years doing this. And so... As you think about that with the end in mind, it's very important to answer that question. You know, what are the numbers, right? So again, we talked about the earning my urban mining hack and finding those. We talked about how to great, you know, get great and recognize great product ideas, build that big list of never ending product ideas, because while 500 is a starting point, you should be adding to your list every day. And it's going to be an iterative continuation, a continual process, right? Um, you obviously want to pull profitable products from your more list. And we're going to talk about what that means in terms of more profit, more interesting, more trend, uh, more opportunity, more units moved. Um, and we, again, we talked about things that we're going to break down, I think, a little deeper here in the next few minutes as we go. 
So one of the things that are, is really important for people to understand is not having a scarcity mindset regarding product ideas. Uh, most people come in and they think there's either one of two things. There's too many product ideas and they can't decide, which is going to be one of the things we solve today. Uh, and the other one is a scarcity mindset, which basically says um, there's not enough good products to go around. There's only a precious few good products. <laughs> okay. Uh, and that actually isn't the truth. Because if you consider 12 million to be a precious few, uh, then we're not on the same page somehow, right? Because 12 million products is a lot. It's a lot of products. And if you move a thousand units a month, over 12 months, it's going to take you 83 years to move a million units. So you just got to think in terms of the scope and magnitude of those actual numbers and realize uh, the breadth of opportunity that is setting right in front of you. So how to take that breadth of opportunity and crush it down. Let's look at that for a second. Let's explain this. So as you're looking for those products and you're building your list, one of the things I want you to do is to go into Amazon and I want you to look for similar products, all right? I want you to remember this equation as we're thinking about this. Similarity and familiarity equal trust, okay? Similarity and familiarity, okay, equal trust. Now, Amazon is your marketplace of trust. That's why we're talking about selling there uh, because brands are selling there. Amazon itself is a brand that people trust uh, and they're moving hundreds of millions of people a month through that platform. Similarity is the products that you consider selling, but at this point, we don't know the numbers. And so we're going to say, based on our big list, their product ideas um, that are going to be defined at the macro level by the numbers to determine whether or not uh, the familiarity and profitability of that number are worth us actually selling it. So when we get down to some of these numbers, what we're going to talk about is things like gross margin, gross profit. Okay. If your brain is already exploding, just hang on. We're going to keep going, right? What do those numbers actually mean? What's the return on investment, ROI? How is that important? And how do literally most of the sellers I talk to before they get trained correct? I think we lost Neil a little bit. Did you lose did him, Chris? Or did, did, did you guys? Oh, sorry. Are we back? It's all right. We're good. We it just lost you for the last like five seconds. Okay, last five seconds. I covered like a million things in five seconds. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll step back. So what I was saying was in the terms of the profitability, it's very important to understand the metrics that that stack up uh, in this and in become an, uh, a way to analyze those products to the point where you know that if I were to create a product similar to the one uh, that's in the market and I have familiarity in a brand that I'm going to you know create to compete against them, and I'm going to use Amazon as my trust process for people who have never heard of my brand before, right? Uh, and then be able to run a profitable business around this product and reach a certain market uh, point of market share in which I start to dominate the other three to five competitors in my marketplace, okay? Uh, and it's important to understand that when you start to realize that that's a very numerical driven uh, decision-making model and not an emotional or gut feeling, then you will start to see yourself as a business person who's actually running a business, uh, not a side hustle. And I get a lot of people who come to me and you think this is not right when I say it this way, but they're running, you know, a quarter million, half a million, even a million dollar year businesses. And when we take them through this exercise of just understanding the numbers in their business, you've got to be surprised at how many of these sellers cannot rack, ramble off in about 30 seconds exactly what their business is doing financially. It always blows my mind. It's one of the first things we do when we talk to them. You know, what are your numbers? What's your profit margins on your products? How are you identifying your cost of goods versus your competitors? Um, what's your market strategy for pricing? 
how is your campaigns running? And you know, they can, they can tell me all the bad things, but they can't tell me the good things about how the business is actually running. It's very surprising to me <laughs> that this isn't being business management in e-com is not really being taught. It's a very important thing. So as you understand those numbers, it's very important that you dig in to what do those numbers look like? So we have something called cost of goods. That's the physical product cost to have one of those things manufactured for you. Okay. Uh, that number uh, is a number given to you typically by the manufacturer who says, well, if you want one unit of this widget, it's going to cost you $5 and 18 cents or $6 and 18 cents or whatever. Right. You have Amazon's fees that have to be uh, calculated on top of that. Now, Amazon has something like 60 or 70 different fee structures in the way it gets a little complicated, right? Uh, one of the things that we identified in our discussion previously was how to kind of uh, avoid the three different areas we talked about in the last podcast that had to do with certain areas you don't want to dig into. If you hadn't caught that and maybe you're just catching this one, I encourage you to go back and catch those uh, as to why you shouldn't get them. When you go towards Amazon, you're looking at finding the product segment that we consider to be Blue Sky or Evergreen, and those are usually Amazon fees around 15% average, right? You don't want them necessarily to be lower because if they're lower, you're typically paying uh, or, or selling in retail on a lower price point. If they're higher, then you may be running into hyper uh, competitive or saturated niches, and you don't want to be in those either. What you want to do is find those products that kind of average out about 15% average cost of sales, plus or minus a little bit. When you do that, you actually know you can plug that number in to your to your spreadsheet or your or calculations, right? You have to have a fulfillment cost. What does it cost to actually fulfill a unit of that, all right? Amazon has a seller calculator that will tell you these fees. So you wanna make sure you understand that too. And then you obviously understand your net from Amazon, which of course is the retail price minus all the fees. And that's kind of what your net uh, would be from Amazon for a unit of those sold. Now, one of the two other columns we talk about, gross profit, margin, and percentage, are important to understand um, the, how to actually correctly calculate the gross net and profit so that you actually really understand your return on investment. So where a lot of people make mistakes. They will say something silly like, oh, I got a product for uh, $50 and I sold it for $100, so I had 200% ROI. And I'm like, no, that's not exactly how that works. <laughs> um, you actually you know, got 100% ROI. Oh, 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 I did? Oh, I didn't actually understand that. Uh, when you get into really understanding where those margins are, do you understand your unit gross percentage or your ROI? Uh, that should be you know, relatively strong. And what we consider relatively strong is 80 to 150% uh, should be your unit gross ROI. Now, again, I'm throwing out a lot of numbers at you guys today. We're going to try to break some of this down in the next 10 or 15 minutes without making this go for 45. Um, but at the end of the day, you really understand that gross profit ROI. That leads you into things like how much should I spend on my ad budget, right? How should, how should I actually take accountability for ad budget? Um, when you understand that in terms of the cost of running the business uh, down to a per unit level, that means I know at one unit of sell, all the cost and fees structure, then I actually know how to budget an ad correctly while still making it profitable. What I see is everybody does the inverse and they will try to run an ad budget against a $9 profit margin and then scream when they're making a dollar uh, or 50 cents and their A cost won't get below 20 cents or 20%. It's never going to, it probably never would, but you never properly calculated it. Now you're screaming about ad budgets. So you got yourself backwards. So you got to be thinking about the products first. What are the numbers occur first? You got your storage fees. You have storage fees in Amazon. Storage fees can add up if you're not moving enough units uh, for long-term storage fees. Those can add up correctly. You got to make sure you accommodate those numbers. 
Um, you have returns and shrinkage. It's typically uh, in our ball, uh, uh, you know, our, our net where we uh, currently play ball, excuse me, I'm trying to say this the right way. Um, we see about 2% in returns and shrinkage. That should be, it could be up as high as 4%, but typically you want to see it around 2% uh, percent or so. That is the products that might be returned or shrinkage in your inventory levels based on manufacturing defects and other things. So with all those loaded, we should get to three types of columns that are the most important for you to look at in terms of your brain, your your profitability, your spreadsheet you want to work out, or however you're, you're tracking the products you're looking at currently. As again, we're trying to answer that question, what the blank do I sell? That is net profit at the dollar amount. That is your net profit percentage and your unit ROI percentage. Those are three columns that we like to track as red, yellow, or green. It's pretty simple, right? Red means what? Don't go, <laughs> stay away. Yellow means caution. If you can't uh, get your retail price correctly or you can't get your manufacturing cost of goods, a cost budget and other things under control, it could be in the red if you can get those in control and have good control of your profitability, your brand, and of course, raising your prices against your competition, that yellow could go green, making that a great product. What you want to be careful is launching a product with yellow, expecting it to go green. You can mm -hmm. certainly not launch a red product and move it into the yellow or green if the market uh, simply won't support that. Okay. And I see people making those mistakes. I've seen quite a few of those sellers come to us again, doing half a million to a million a year, wondering why they can't pay themselves more than about three grand a month. It sounds really ridiculous, right? But then you put all their products into the spreadsheet, we work all the numbers and all of a sudden they're seeing yellows and reds and maybe one green. And the one green is holding the business up. And if that one green mm -hmm. skew goes down, guess what happens guys? Like these guys are in two to three months, they're out of business, right? It's the same yep. sad story over and over again. So the other things we pay attention to then give us estimated daily units sold. Uh, that's a projection of units, which has to do uh, with, of course, profitability, revenue generation, how much inventory we're moving. Uh, and an important gem uh, in that is how do I overtake my competition in ranking? It's a good thing to know the estimated daily sales units of those products. So I know how to properly position my marketing. Uh, to overcome or or uh, break down the barriers that might cause me to not enter or enter that uh, market with my product launch correctly under the right understanding of what effort it will take to rank that product and beat my competition. And that leads us to the estimated annual units sold, uh, which we break down quarter by quarter, what we call our 90-day cash flow plan, which is kind of breaking all these numbers into what is the total sales velocity, total uh, number of units I would move in a 90-day period as it's relative to a 12-month annual run rate? Everybody keeping up with me so far? Absolutely. Throwing this a lot of stuff, stuff out there. No, <laughs> this is fantastic. I'm yeah, sure people listening to this right now are rapidly taking notes. Like, uh, well, I hope so. <laughs> well, yeah. I am. Yeah, I'm writing okay. this stuff down. I mean, this is All right, good, good. I don't want to leave everybody behind because that's a lot of acronyms. But we're down to what looks to be a 90-day cash flow plan in your brain. You know, you may want to write this down, get a forecast, uh, write it in a spreadsheet, get a software. It really doesn't matter what mechanical thing you do at this point. It's more important that you understand the business that we're talking about, right? What it's going to lead us to is an understanding over three months, what's our velocity of units moved uh, during launch or growth. Uh, or even when we reach market penetration or a percentage of market penetration, we have a good understanding based on our competition, what our expected results should be in that 90 day period for a single SKU that we're launching uh, of a product within a brand. Okay, that's going from our macro to our micro. 
It also very much helps us understand inventory units that will be moved, which is again, very important to your cost structure of inventory and calculations for your long-term storage fees. And of course, the amount of inventory you need to order or pre-order as part of your logistics. And then of course, the management uh, you need to do with an FBA fulfilled by Amazon for your IPI rules, your inventory rules, whether or not you have to balance some between a three third-party logistics uh, company, logistics company, say that right? Uh, and how many you can actually stick in Amazon that you're gonna turn over in that time frame. If you understand those numbers and thresholds, then you very much understand what a single unit life cycle looks like from the time that it goes from, is it profitable to selling a unit to delivering a unit? And of course, returning that product and investment back to the business while paying ourselves something out of all of that uh, at that bottom line. What should we get paid for every one of those units moved? I challenge you to get paid more than $12 in profit per unit. So how does that float back upstream, right? It floats back mm -hmm. upstream in terms of me moving one of those units to a customer through Amazon's marketplace and ensuring that it was done profitably. Ta-da! Like that's the, <laughs> that's the whole, you know, that's the whole Wizard of Oz thing here, right? Um, so as you move those products into your more list, you will use tools like Helium uh, 10, Jungle Scout, or even a Six Leafs Phoenix tool to go out and data mine that into your database, your spreadsheet, your task list, your you know white paper, wherever you're gonna put this thing. Uh, and you're gonna ensure that you've got all those costs together. All right, this is taking 80% of the time to, to basically get down to the question, you know, what's your number? Your number might be, I'm ex I'm, I'm okay having $9 in profit. I've gotta have a minimum in $12. I wanna have $20 in profit. Well, as you work that back upstream, that's going to then tell you what your cost of goods should be for that product. As you're looking at your manufacturing, it's gonna give you an, a good estimation of, I need 15% of that unit retail cost sold to equate to my advertising budget. I need to have 15% Amazon. I need to have 2% to storage and fees. I need to have 2% to market trends and inflation. And by the time all those numbers work out, my three columns of profit are green, okay? If one of them's yellow, but it's acceptable to me and that's my number, that's okay to me. What I want you to base that on is a, is a very clear understanding of those numbers. And one of them in particular, I forgot a second ago, but let's make sure I say it out loud, is your cost of goods. I don't want a cost of good for my product above 35%. Uh, we touched on that just a little bit in the last podcast, but let's make sure we have that plugged in there as well. So that's going to end up with, I think, like 35 different columns, if you were to put it in a spreadsheet, uh, which is tracking columns and data columns, et cetera, like that. Uh, and there are some software that do, do that. But actually, at this point, there's not a software that, do, that does do does everything, <laughs> that does do does everything that I just told you. Uh, although I'm going to give you one as a gift today for free, literally. I'm going to link it to you. Uh, it's going to have a little instruction at the top. It's a, a Google spreadsheet, okay, so it can be shared. Go in and make a copy. Don't go in and edit the one that you're going to get. Go into file, make a copy, save it to your drive. It's yours. Use it for free. Okay. At the very bottom of this sheet is going to be some cool graphics that we plugged in. Uh, and let's break those down real quick uh, as to the proceeds from a sale of an average product. Okay. We talked about the cost of goods. We talked about Amazon fees. We talked about your profit. Very important. Your ad budget, um, other ancillary fees. Well, we talked about the three of those and your fulfillment costs. What does it take to get that unit sold? It's gonna show you in a graph based on all the products you've currently put in the sheet. It's gonna give you a gross margin breakdown. Please understand the difference between profitability and gross margin. People get very uh, confused on that. When you see it you, and to hear this, 
it should make sense to you, okay? It is gonna be what my gross margin is for every unit sold currently listed on my spreadsheet. You have a profitability breakdown. Where do all of those six or seven different columns actually play out in a single unit sold? And then I'm gonna have my ROI calculation, all right? This one's gonna actually tell me in a graphical format with the letters how it all breaks down correctly so that I ensure I understand the return on investment of one unit sold that is returned to the business's profit. Y'all follow me with that so far? Because mm -hmm. that's a very important thing. So we're gonna go and we're gonna take our products from our big list that we're building, our iterative continuation list that you're gonna be working every day to add products to, and you're gonna keep filtering them into this free spreadsheet that I'm gonna give you. And as the numbers go red, you'll put them on the red column. If they go yellow, you put them in a yellow column. If they're green, you keep them on the green light spreadsheet. In that green light spreadsheet, as you are continuing to add products, there's one last very important thing that you're gonna wanna pay attention to. And it's called project launch cost. This is a big one, right? It's the question of how much money do I need to sell this product? Or how much money do I need to invest if I'm gonna take your program and invest products or if I'm just gonna invest in the market and I wanna move this out? How much does it cost to take it? And everybody wants to know an exact number. Well, guess what? You're gonna get a number within 3% variation. We have run millions of units through sheets like this millions of dollars sold, it'll be within 3%. If it says 17,618 bucks to launch that product and have inventory for 90 days and make it profitable and return uh, a predicted cash flow over 90 days and 12 months run rate, that's what it's gonna take. Do you have to sell it if it's green light? Well, no. What you need to do, unless that is going to be something that you could do, maybe you could do that, no big deal. Maybe you can't, maybe you're looking at 7,000, maybe you're looking at 700 go through the continual iteration of the product uh, list, go through the research and find a product launch cost that does meet your goals and does answer the question, how much should I spend? And it will also answer the question, what the hell do I sell? Because when those products come out there and they're green, that's a product in your brand you can go to market with confidence selling. Now, it does take some additional, final word, some additional market research and understanding of the market of those products to determine whether or not you should sell them. Now, the numbers will work out, but the market research, competition, and saturation, we're going to talk about those in the next topics because those are the, the, the defining questions between getting married to the product and being able to rank the product to ensure that you reach your platinum principle and the ability to sell this and have a legacy play in the end. So defining what your number is is up to you. It may be that you can launch a $7,000 product that's going to return you $21,000 a year or $21,000 a month in profit. That is gonna be something you can determine once you plug those numbers in. So again, this is a numerical driven business model. It really is at the end of the day, you can take all your emotions aside once you determine what to do. If the products do not work out in the numbers, you shouldn't launch them because in three to six months, you're gonna wish you hadn't. Uh, and it's very important to know those numbers before you go to market. I tell you what, I'm super excited to see this spreadsheet. Um, and, and we are <laughs> going to, uh, we'll make sure it's in the show notes on the podcast we'll put it in the description on uh youtube channels. wherever you're listening to this uh we'll guys we'll have the link to this spreadsheet uh but i i can't tell you how important this is i mean chris and i we talk to sellers all the time um either they're coming on to Solosa because they're either struggling with their advertising or they're looking for ways to find the right acos and the problem is none of that the problem is is like you said they've picked a product where either they they connect to Solosa for the first time and they find out that they're unprofitable and they thought they were profitable. <laughs> like, well, when you look at all your costs together, you're you're unprofitable here. 
no idea of that launch budget. Like what they, they picked a product that's going to take 10 grand to launch, you know, and they weren't, they weren't prepared for it. Uh, or they didn't have that. So that everything that you just laid out is so important to the success going on. And I, I'd love to dig into a few more of these things uh, really quick. Well, can you just a question on return on investment yep. and how important that is. Um, I, I can give a little story. I thought, I mean, one of, one of my first products ended up being a great mover. It sold mm. a ton of units, uh, but it was at a low price point, And yep. so it had a low ROI. So yep. I ended up having a lot of capital invested in a product that brought me money, but I kind of maybe had it in a product that was bringing me more money uh, with that same capital investment. Right. So explain explain ROI and what that number, like your ideal number is and how important that should be for people's well, I mean, defining ROI is going to be a little different. I mean, it's by standard definition of the Webster definition, it is a return on investment. It just means what is the time frame and capital required to return an invested uh, a percentage expected return? Whether I say it's 20% and I'm okay with that or 40%, there is some number that I define as an ROI that is, that is acceptable to me, right? So if I'm going to invest $1,000, then I would like that return on investment to be $4,000, right? Therefore, my ROI is 3,000. How long that takes for me to do that is gonna be defined by the market. It's gonna be defined by my niche. And in some ways it's gonna be defined by me, whether or not that's acceptable. If that's acceptable in my numbers, maybe it takes four months to do that. Okay, I'm cool with that. Uh, I'd rather have it happen in three days or a week or even a day. A day. That's where I'm at now. So at this point, you have to define ROI by your number standard. Now you can go in and look at, say, outdoor gear or kitchen supplies and stuff, and they're all going to have different ROIs. But you literally is going to get down to, I have to launch this product. All right, I want to see a predictable return in 90 days. I want to see the inventory that I've purchased turned over in 90 days or less. I want to see my profit margins per unit maintained. And I want to see a, a percentage of growth uh, that is maintained over those 90 days. It shows me a quarter by quarter growth that will add up to an annual growth rate. We typically want to see organic annual growth rate around 40 to 60%. And that's what we see because we're picking the products right here at the very beginning knowing they have a good market upsell, a good opportunity. Whatever my current ROI is uh, and defined as my project launch cost and the time frame in 90 days that's going to turn over uh, is going to be the cost it takes, the sales and the profit and the manufacturing. And it is what it is, is the basic simple way to say that. You have to determine if it's good for you. If it's not, go find another product. And that's, you know, your ROI is going to be dependent on the number of products you put into your more list and are willing to work through this process. But I will tell you, the difference between where we are right now and maybe where you're at listening to this podcast today is the difference in will it, uh, the time and energy and effort you're willing to put into product research 80% up front before you ever take one of those products to market. You want to know how the other people get successful is they've gotten very good at being patient in the product research and market research to find that right product profitability and then get it in the market. It really is the biggest difference. Um, I see so many people just shotgun blasting products. I see a lot of make this much money in 30 days crap. You know, that is a, the that's a lottery mindset mentality, right? We gotta be very careful. If you wanna build a serious business that runs three to five years out with predictable gains, growth, and an ability to sell it for something, then six to 12 months is not a long time. 
to get these businesses ramped up and running. And that's the kind of expectations I set with my people is in six to 12 months that if you can reach uh, a six or a seven figure run rate in your business in that time frame, then you are set up, set up for success that will lead you for years to come. And the thing about these products, Dustin, is that the type of products and the ROI we're looking for, as you'll see it in this spreadsheet, are not the ones where everybody goes into the software and it's like, this one makes $48,000 a month. Well, that's the one I want to sell. Mm -hmm. They are going into uh, a place where they shouldn't be. If you could get a product, right, where I have invested, say, five grand, they can turn around and make me a couple grand every month for the next two or three years. That is a great ROI for that product. Now I gotta be thinking about how many more of those can I find in pencil in? Can I find five, 10, 20, 50 of those? Now I have a business, now I have a brand. And now you have something that I actually worked with. Go ahead, Chris, I know you're getting ready to say something, but I, this is fantastic. I mean, I I know he's listening right now, it's frozen. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get Chris, back. okay, ask your question, Chris. Yeah. Do, Neil, does there ever come a time when you're building a brand and you just have to be in that particular niche because you just have to be there? Like uh, supplement brands, they all sell similar supplements. So does a brand ever have to be in the same niche because they just want to be there for brand awareness? Does there ever come a time where you just throw the numbers out and you just launch a product because you want to be in the same category as all your competitors? No, this is a passion question, if I'm hearing it correctly. Um, mm -hmm. Because people come in and say, well, I'm very passionate about this niche and I want to sell in this product niche. Well, that's great. Find products in there that are profitable. Find products in there that meet the criteria. If you don't find anything in there, then go find something else to sell. Because I will sell fuzzy bunny slippers to grandma because she's passionate about the pink ones with the fuzzy things that's got the little logo on the side, right? Because she's happy. It's the non-slip. She doesn't feel like she's going to fall. She absolutely loves him and she wants to tell everybody at her nursing home or wherever she lives that this is something you should buy. That's passion, right? And I'm passionate about my customers being passionate. So the simple answer to your question is no. Um, I will go where the dollars are. I will go where the business is, right? Now, am I going to pull back in certain areas like selling triple X, you know, mommy, daddy stuff? <laughs> uh, no, right? Just because I'm not going to sell that stuff, right? But you might want to and that's cool, whatever. But, you know, there's niches I won't go into for that reason, but there's predominantly I'm going to follow the numbers. And if it, if it if it works out, you know, that I'm expanding a brand in a particular area of, say, outdoor or kitchen or home or one of these other places, um, there are thousands upon thousands of product opportunities in there and they will go green light and, and you just need to find them and keep working. There's plenty of holes in, in that. Thanks. I made yeah. this exact mistake. I feel like this is the biggest mistake people yeah. make is you start building a brand, especially if you have success with your first product. That's that, you know, like if it comes out of the gates rocking and it, whether it was luck or whatever, you pick the right product. And then you start going all the rest of the popular products in that niche. You start adding to your brand. That just well, sucks. Well deep. Yep. Keep digging that well hole, right? If you find water, don't pick up your drill and go try to find water 20 feet off to the right. And so many people make that mistake. Just keep drilling, right? If you found water at 100 feet, well, guess what? There may be water at 200 feet. So just keep going. And when you see that opportunity, what you're not recognizing maybe at this point is all of that upfront work you just did to get into, say, the outdoor gear niche that is selling, I don't know, bicycle seats. 
there's thousands of different variation types and bundles of bicycle seats where you can just keep digging deep. And once you know the market, you understand the customers, you've done the keyword research, you've taken the time and effort to get into it. It just gets to be faster and faster uh, for the products that you can dig into and your launches get easier and more predictable. And you just keep expanding that brand. People think it's kind of boring. Why did, why would I have 59 pike seat skews? Well, because it does seven figures a year. That's why. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, passion in business at this type and level is probably more important than passion in the products you're selling. Do you have any negotiation tips here? Like, you know, this is more of a personal question, actually, but mm. you know, there's a, there's a product I want to go after. It's not meeting the 80 to 150% ROI, but it's pretty damn close. Mm. Um, what, what kind of negotiation tactics or tricks would you, do you have where I can get closer to that? you know, 80, 150 ROI area. If it's currently lower in terms of your negotiations, but you have a good understanding what your cost of goods needs to be, and you're taking that into the negotiation with your manufacturers to determine if they can meet that and, and uh, come or come into alignment with it, then the next thing you would actually be looking at is where else in the supply chain or business can I make money off of this or make it more profitable, right? So then you would look and say, well, brand affi affiliation, maybe some influencers that expand it or raise it. My price increases on the front end to gain more competition. And of course, that gives me more room in my A costs and my campaigns to bro you know, broaden the reach of that product and become somebody who literally could sell it for 10 or $15 more a unit than all the competition currently in the marketplace. I may inch that up and inch that up, but eventually you're going to look back and find I'm the only one sitting here with a product still selling 500 units a month for $15 more than the rest of my competition. So you can look at a time where predictability of brand growth and affinity will overcome current price points or negotiation objections. And of course, as you order more units from that manufacturer, uh, terms can be negotiated and contractual terms of uh, units purchased can be negotiated or you find another manufacturer uh, who can produce it or create it at a lower price point for you, right? Um, you now have power and control in the negotiation when you do that. So again, make sure it's profitable. Find a little negotiation place on front. If you know you can take it to market with better retail pricing and profitability later on the front end, then go to market with it. Outbrand it, move it up, then come back to manufacturing with a power negotiation position, right? You want the next 10,000 unit order? Great. I need 90 day terms and I need you to drop the price to you know 518 from 618. Cool. Yeah, that's good, good stuff. That's good. There, there's we, we've covered so much information here uh just i'm sure if everyone's like uh chris and myself taking notes here uh they wrote down uh, a lot of terms and yep. i think i think the main thing that's a that you that and you've kind of opened my eyes to even more metrics too and this product research uh time is how important it is you're you're passionate about spending your time here to make sure that you're validating the, the product before you launch it. Um, and I can assure you, I, I didn't do it enough on a lot of my products. And I know a lot of people that they just mit, they gloss it. And I like the way you you cage as being passionate about the product, which kind of makes you just sort of not pay attention to the fact that it might not work if you mm, really broke yep. it down. Yeah, then you go down the roads of things like, well, I might need a you know patent or something on this, right? Then you start to get over way too far in the innovation brain and not enough in the business opportunity brain. So you got to balance the two out somewhere in the middle. But I will also give you a caveat that when the numbers work and the product seems to fit really well, but you don't currently see certain trends in the market 
or you see opportunities to trend. We're going to talk about that in the next session because it kind of leads your conversation sort of a segues into uh, the component of don't marry your product, which is uh, find someone else's girlfriend instead. Uh, that's going to be our <laughs> next topic. So what that leads into is things, something I coined years ago called trend jacking. Uh, which I've taught a number of people how to do. And I'll give you some examples, even a product example when you guys show up to the next podcast of one we did, because everybody wants to know what kind of products do you sell. Well, I'm going to give you one uh, on the next podcast that'll tell you how it went down, what the brand did, how we uh, aligned it with the numbers, and then how we uh, met the market and answered that question, what the hell do I sell? And it should bring together the next, uh, for the third topic, uh, these two components that we just discussed today and kind of round up the whole understanding of how to answer that question. One thing that I, this, this is such a good important topic because one thing you can get stuck on like a product and, and you do like fall in love with it, right? You do. Uh, you, you like, I got to do this. I got to do this. But when, when you start looking at it just as a, as a widget, and this is something I just personally do when I do product research, I'll, I'll make a copy and then I'll just change the names and like just delete the names. And so all I look at is the numbers and not the names of the product. So I don't know what I'm, I don't know what product is what until at the very end, that has the most profitability and most ROI so that it doesn't skew my decision on what I launch. Yeah. Cause that, that, cause if you see the name, you're immediately emotionally attached to it. Right. Or the product name, you're, you're attached to it. And now you start to justify all the numbers. This you is do, you start to make compromises and we know how that works. Little compromises, like maybe she'll stop picking her teeth later on, or maybe he'll stop <laughs> farting before bed or whatever. Right. And pretty soon three, five years, seven years, we call it, they call it the seven year itch for a reason. Right. In, in Amazon, we should call it the like five month itch. Yeah, Everybody gets it around five or six months and they suddenly realize, you know, I don't want to be married to this product anymore. Like this product stinks. They fart. They don't clean their shoes. They don't pick up the dishes. They, they leave the dishwasher basically unloaded. Like I don't want to be married to this product anymore. Um, we're going to cover that, right? Because we can steal other people's girlfriends ethically, morally. And that's probably most <laughs> important to understanding how those topics come together. I can't so, wait. Uh, it's going to be so fun. And so what everyone needs to do now is spreadsheet. Yep. Start inputting your data. Start yep. getting familiar with the spreadsheet and the numbers you need to put in there. See how many green lights we've got on there. I'm definitely going to be doing this. Uh, For so sure. Look at this. I'll, I'm going to input all my current products. I was going to say, go put your own. <laughs> go, go, go tell us what happens. Hopefully, this is a good exercise. I don't I want this yeah. to be a good <laughs> Come on, hey, green lights. Hey, well, on, what's green different light. now is, you know, Chris five years ago would be still married to his product, but Chris yeah. now oh, would yeah. be like, this is gone. I'm out. I'm done with this one. Because uh, yeah. you've been through that. We've been through that. Like, I'm going to push advertising, 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 and it still doesn't work. Like, you can't. You can't shine it up and make it sell more than it does. Like it no, just, you really can't. Again, it comes back to if you're making a dollar in profit and you're selling a thousand units a month, you're not going to get rich selling two thousand units at a dollar profit. Like it's the same thing I see with people's brains all the time. I just need to move more units. Well, how much profit are you making? Well, a dollar fifty. But if I get my cost down and I move another thousand units next month, I'm gonna all my dreams are gonna come true. It's like, um, no, sorry, that's that's not how it's gonna happen. It's true, and that inventory costs you've got loaded up in those products that are bringing you a dollar 50 per sale could be used for something that was bringing you 12. Once you see that line, there will be a line in your sheet that you will start to cut off. Even those that are potentially profitable or green light. Once you restack those with your current products, you can make a business in three months, uh, invert profit. I had a gentleman come in, John actually took him about five and a half months when he came in, he was barely making it. He was moving a quarter million a year in sales, but he had about a 7% profit margin. Can you believe that? Like at the very bottom and like, oh my gosh, dude, you're just like, you're making Amazon rich, man. No wonder nothing's working for you. So we inverted his business. We showed him how to build the sheet and go through the product 
uh, analysis component. He basically shaved off uh, over half of the SKUs that he was currently selling. And then what occurred is he started to raise the prices as the account turned around, the account health turned around, the profitability turned around. And in six months, he had gone from 250,000 to a million in revenues and increased 200% profitability in his business. So he just inverted that current business model and started to approach it very differently. So if you're doing 100, 250,000 a year on Amazon and you are wondering, why is it not profitable? Why can't I move? This is gonna be a great exercise for you to get to the next step to basically turn the profitability around. But you're gonna have to be very understanding that you can't marry your products, right? You're gonna have to get that emotion aside and get down to the numbers. This is important. Love it. Love it. Can't wait. So let's everyone get the spreadsheet and put the numbers. And we'll be back at this tomorrow. We're doing this tomorrow. Right we're doing part three. Can't, can't wait to dig into it. So everyone's got a little homework now between the next episode. But yep. uh, we'll have that link everywhere. So everyone can get that uh, the spreadsheet. Uh, Neil, you'll send that over to us. Yes, I will. I'll get you a link for that. Absolutely. Get, get like we just started. We're just getting started, guys. I'm, just getting right. I love this. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to go through this again. It's a fresh perspective on current products uh, that I'm running and ways to evaluate new ones. So this this is a fun process to do. Good. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully those listening enjoy it too. Because remember, don't marry your products. We're going to steal yeah. somebody else's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. And this, this, is, next. Yeah, this is very valuable for long-term <laughs> sellers. This is oh, not- it is. Trust me, it is. This is not just for new people looking to sell new products. Yeah, no, no. no. If you want to uh, sell your business at some point, if you're already running and can't figure out why you can't get to the next level, next scalability, next tier, because I hear that a lot, right? How do I get to the next tier? It, it isn't always just about launching products, yeah. <laughs> right? It is about making sure you launch the right products. Yes. Take me to the next tier. I'm That's ready. where I'm at. That's where I'm at, Neil. <laughs> Let's do it. Next tier coming right All up. Right. All right. Well, we'll we'll do that tomorrow on the next episode. Um, I can't wait. Everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back at this again tomorrow. See you.